What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's 3M Open. But before we jump into that, let's look back at the memorial and give a quick shout out to all of the winners. I mean, we're still, I guess, by all standards, a very small community, but there has been so much success, especially in the restart, that I feel like it would be a disservice if I did not call out some of these guys because uh, that's the fun part, right? This is the success of all shapes and sizes that, that we're looking for. So I think it's worth a pat on the back, a tip of the cap. And I want to spend just a few minutes at the start of the video going through some of these. So we'll get increasingly bigger as we go. But shout out to Rambling Gambling Willie. Turned his $4 into 92 thanks to a Matthew Fitzpatrick top five. Hey Brother turned his five into 94 thanks to a head-to-head -head parlay, I believe it was. Uh, Wheels 59, $9 into 109. That's great. Take that every single week. Zach Coyne. 50 into 112. Andre, uh, I didn't see how much he put in, but it was a head-to-head -head matchup parlay. He won $120. Congratulations. Austin Any with a ROM outright, $8 into 168. Matthew Tapley, how about this for an ROI? $2 into 172. That was a six-player head-to-head parlay. You're sick, Matthew. Mitch Quinnell. Turned his 50 into 190. Doobie Shack, there's a name I recognize. 20 into 260, thanks to a Tony Finau first-round leader. Uh, Thomas Loden also had a Tony Finau first-round leader. $6 into 336. H-Boss turned his 15 into 298. Here we go, some DFS ones here. Torin Edwards. $148 into $833 over DraftKings and FanDuel. Congratulations. CMB56411 turned his 50 into 1,000 thanks to a John Rom outright. Mike Van Veen, a Rom outright and a Riley Davis outright. Uh, over $1,000 win right there. Here's a great one. Michael Herring wins the quarter arcade 25 cents into $1,000. <laughs> awesome stuff. Two, uh, Three putts, two par, $393 in, 1336 out. Chuck Town in the Slack channel, dropping a screenshot, $275 into 1737 Matt Webb, head-to-head -head parlay, 60 into 2037 Samuel Botnick, I always love hearing these, Sends me an email, tells me he joined rickrungood.com last week, turned his $15 into $2,500. Awesome stuff right there. Josiah Blevins, that is a name I feel like I have said every single week. 133 into 2,660. Degenerate 75 looks like he benefits from that John Rom rules infraction. I guess because he did not have Rom. Or maybe he did, and I don't know, but he moved up to what looked to be second. Uh, but I do know that it was for $5,000. Congratulations, that was on DraftKings. And here's a couple of big ones. Bryce Moore shoots me a note. Absolutely dominated last week. Uh, turned his $419 into $33,528. It was a lot of it was 20 max, uh, the birdie, the short game. So this can be achieved in 20 max situations. That birdie is a $3 20 max. The short game, I think, is a $1 20 max. 
awesome stuff for Bryce. And then see Ashford a single bullet in the Millie Maker. $20 entry into $40,000. Fourth place in the Millie. Unbelievable. Congratulations to all of you. The community is thriving. It is worth a few minutes at the start of these videos uh, to shout it out. I know a lot of these guys were, were just stoked. And, and this is just what makes its way to me, right? Uh, through Twitter or through email or through um, whatever. But uh, it's been a really good run for, for the community. And if you want to uh, have an opportunity to to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, um, I've pulled two names. So from last week, Adam Brick and Big Berries 11. I'll get you hooked up with a, um, a, a month subscription to rickrungood.com. You can be a part of the community. You can try to add your name to this list of, of winners as well. And if you want to be entered into a draw for a month to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to do it. If you're watching on YouTube, just like the video, make sure you're subscribed and hit that little alarm button. That lets you know when a new video comes out, uh, I believe we're, I'm going to be doing a lot more timely stuff. You know, there could be some weekend stuff, some showdown stuff coming. So you'll want to be alerted uh, as soon as videos drop. Then comment below who's going to win the 3M Open. That's all you have to do. That gets you one entry. The other way is go to the audio podcast for this. It's called 300 Yards to Unknown. You can search that in your podcasting app of choice. You can search Rick Rungood, or I will just link it in the description below. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show and leave me your Twitter handle so that I can get in touch with you if you win. That will get you entered into a draw. Do them both. Double your entries, and we will keep this momentum rolling this week into the 3M. Let's jump in to the board. 3M Open, TPC, Twin Cities. Remember, this is one of the events that got added to the PGA Tour's schedule last season. So this is a, a basically a brand new event. Only one year's worth of history. Matthew Wolf is your defending champion. Remember, this was added with like the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Um, TPC, Twin Cities. If you watch the Memorial last week and, and saw the carnage that was happening at Mirfield Village and you hated it, uh, well, you're in luck because you're about to get the opposite effect this week because TPC Twin Cities is just an absolute birdie fest and uh, you're going to see incredibly low scores. Now, what I'm showing you on the video version of this is the course key stats. And as much as I love this tool, it is one of my favorite tools. I think it is cutting edge stuff compared to what else is going on in the industry, I'll tell you when it's not that effective and when we only have one week's or one year's worth of data, it is not as effective as makes sense, right? This this is a model that goes back 10, 12 years, whatever we have the data for and can create these really cool kind of player profiles. Uh, but unfortunately, one year's worth of data is a is honestly the 2019 leaderboard is just a direct correlation to whatever the results of this are going to be. So I don't want to put too much weight into the numbers from the key stats model this week, but I do want to talk about them. You'll see that birdie or better percentage. Uh, that is the most important of the quote unquote common stats, right? We're not talking about approaches from 250 to 275 from the right-hand rough. That I would not call that a common stat. I would call birdie or better percentage a very common stat. And it's the most important 
of the stats here at TPC Twin Cities, which makes sense because this is a birdie fest. Matthew Wolf won it at 21 under par last season. Um, so we're definitely going to be interested in the birdie makers. Then strokes gained off the tee comes into play um, because, quite frankly, you know, the rough's not very penal. A lot of guys who gain strokes off the tee do it via distance uh, as opposed to accuracy, although accuracy is the third most important stat here. So we're going to find some guys that are good total drivers of the golf ball, driving uh, accuracy and distance. But again, we're not we're not putting too too much weight on on the key stats at the moment. But I do want to show you birdie or better. So we'll sort by birdie or better. Now Peter Uline technically leads this field in birdie or better percentage, sixty nine hundred dollars. Then Chris Kirk, who's had a couple of hot weeks, seventy eight hundred. Uh, Christopher Ventura is 73. These guys don't necessarily have a huge sample size, but I'm, I'm calling them out because you might be able to find some value here in a field that is very, very weak. The first, you know, quote unquote, real name that we get is Eric Van Royen, $8,800. Eric Van Ruin, Ruin. My buddy Mark Immelman told me how to pronounce this correctly. And now I can't remember. Eric Van Royen. I believe is how it is pronounced, <laughs> uh, is $8,800. Now, what I like about him, he makes a lot of birdies, uh, gains a lot of strokes, and hits the ball very far, 325 yards. So if you're looking at the birdie makers, he he kind of clearly stands above the rest of these guys that we've talked about so far as one of the better plays. Now, he's $8,800 this week. It's probably the most expensive he's been in quite some time, but that is something we're going to say about a lot of players in the field. They're more expensive than they've ever been because of how weak this field actually is, and you'll see that when we switch over to the cheat sheet. Uh, a couple other names to point out. You know, Luke List is $8,400. He's been on a pretty decent run winning on the Corn Ferry, and then I, th- I believe he finished top 10 last week at the Memorial. Paul Casey is here. Luke List is on this list. Uh, or I'm sorry, Tony Finau is on this list as well. We'll talk about them. And then um, just to show you driving accuracy, which again, I'm not putting too much emphasis on on driving accuracy this week, but just to, to show you, Johnson Wagner leads the way. David Lingmurth, who I would never play, is second. Ryan Armour is third. KJ Choi is fourth. Chris Kirk is the guy who actually has now checked up in the in the top five of both of these two categories. So Chris Kirk might be an interesting play at $7,800. Brendan Todd's on this list as well. I'm flying through this pretty quickly because, you know, we, weeks where we only have one year's worth of data are, are clearly not as important as, as other weeks are. So let's just head over to the cheat sheet and see what we can find over there. There are five golfers over $10,000, and I honestly think it's fair to say they all have pretty big question marks next to their name. This is not a week like Rocket Mortgage where there was no question marks about Bryson DeChambeau. There were no question marks about Webb Simpson, right? I mean, like, this is all question marks. Dustin Johnson at 11500 literally wins the Travelers Championship, takes two weeks off, comes to the Memorial, and shoots back-to-back 80s. Uh... Yeah, now what do we do? Can you play a guy who shoots back-to-back 80s at $11,500? I guess the good news is he's probably the best player in the field, although we've got, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how what, what window do you have to look at to consider Dustin Johnson's the best player in the field. I think he is the best player in the field. Um, he's $11,500, and I, I, I believe his short memory is going to help him. Like, if you think DJ cares about shooting back-to-back 80s, uh, you're wrong. He's already forgotten about it. He forgot about it the second he walked off the golf course. 
So I I like that, but I don't like what I saw from him last week. Let's see if I can pull up his strokes gain real quick and see if there was any big flaws. So we'll go data by round here, and then we'll do uh, we'll do whoop can't got to be able to type his name correctly. We'll do Dustin Johnson. So his round one uh, gained off the tee, which is what we would expect. Absolutely brutal with the irons. Lost two point six strokes. Brutal around the greens and terrible putting. Wow. Okay. So look at this. I mean his his two rounds he lost six strokes putting. That's really bad. I mean, the rest of his game wasn't any better, but these are complete ejections from Dustin Johnson. I'm not sure I want to necessarily invest back in in DJ. Let's see if we can find another another guy up here. Uh, Brooks did make the cut last week. It was a little bit uninspiring. He continues to tell us that the knee has good days and has bad days. $11,200, pretty, uh, pretty expensive to pay for pay for a guy that you don't really know what you're going to get out of him. Now, Tony Finau is really interesting, right? Because if Tony Finau just just finished eighth last week at the Memorial, he would be like the highest owned golfer this week. But the fact that he touches 12 under par on Saturday, which would have run away with the golf tournament, uh, and then completely ejects himself. Like, I, I think he played, what, the last... 20-something holes, like 16 over par. I mean, it was an absolute meltdown from Tony Finau uh, on the second half of Saturday into Sunday. So I I believe what that is going to do is, is temper his ownership, right? And it's weird because this is what our minds do. We have this recency bias where we just look at what did he do on Sunday when if he had a meltdown on Thursday and, and flew up the leaderboard to finish eighth, it would be a much different story. Now, you can argue the 3M Open is a really good spot for Tony Finau. Uh, he can just go out there, bomb it, not really worry about anything. You can argue outside of the last 20-something holes that he played, 25, uh, he's been phenomenal. We know he shot that 59 in Utah uh, now two weeks ago. Then he was killer in the exhibition at the Memorial on Wednesday. Then he was dominant for two and a half rounds at the Memorial. So you have to decide what's important to you. I would probably prefer buying back in on Tony Finau than fading him completely because I'm trying to go a little bit against the grain here, thinking that the masses will um, will opt to stay away from him because of the, the, the meltdown that he had. Now, I also think that he is playing... Uh, the best of anyone over ten thousand dollars. I think that's pretty clear to see, uh, even with the meltdown. But he's been he's been the best. Tommy Fleetwood's going to make his his uh, return to the tour. We haven't not seen him since the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He missed the cut the week before that. He, <laughs> I shouldn't say he probably should have won the Honda, but he was like in contention to win the Honda until like the seventieth hole or something like that. Um, now Sung J M ends up winning it. It's a very difficult course, PGA National, but. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, we, we don't, we know nothing about, right? We don't know how he's been playing. We assume like, this is a situation and I I make this comparison all the time. Um, I'm a, I'm from Philadelphia originally. Sam Bradford was, you know, adjacent to the Eagles for a long time. And, uh, there was a saying that was like the worst thing that Sam Bradford can do as a backup is like, get more plays on tape because the more he plays, people are going to realize that he stinks and he's making a lot of money by the hope that he's good. That is what we're getting with Tommy Fleetwood right now. Like the fact that he has not played is actually beneficial to him because we don't know if he's been bad or not. 
right? The rest of these guys just got chewed up by Mirfield Village. We did not see anything from Tommy Fleetwood. It's actually, like, I, I assume a lot of people just buy Tommy Fleetwood here because he's an unknown entity. And sometimes an unknown entity has more value than a known entity, which is kind of weird. Paul Casey, um, I want to look at Paul Casey real quick here because I... I could probably get back on Paul Casey. Let's let's pull up his um, strokes gained database from last week because I really do think this is worth a deeper dive than just the numbers here. So round one, he goes out and shoots a 71, which is one under. That's great, obviously. Uh, gains in both ball striking categories, gains around the greens and loses putting, but that's okay because Paul Casey always does that. We know he's going to do that. Friday, he shoots a 77 to miss the cut on the number, but he gained off the tee. He lost on approaches a little bit, but he still gained ball striking, which is off the tee and approach. He actually gained on the greens, and this big number right here, he lost 4.75 strokes around the green. So let me pull up what exactly happened there. Here's the shot tracker. Paul Casey on number 12, a par three hits his, hits his first shot, his tee shot into the back bunker. He then, I don't know what he did. Absolutely blades one. Uh, I have to actually zoom out. It's so bad over here, over the green, over the water, everything. Then he dunks one in the water, has to take a drop. It, it, I mean, it's brutal, right? When all is said and done, he ends up with a quintuple bogey eight on number three. He missed the cut on the number with a eight on a par three. So I will take the stance that the other 35 holes that he played last week were pretty darn good, right? I mean, he played 35 holes at one under and one hole at five over and missed the cut. I, I'm willing to get back in on this um, because I think a lot of people will just look at it and say, oh, wow, Paul Casey missed the cut. He's terrible. I'm not going to play him again. But if you look a little bit deeper than that, I'm willing to give him a pass that he's not going to make another eight on a par five on a par three anytime soon. $9,000 range. I'm going to actually lump Bubba Watson and Matthew Wolf together. I am probably more optimistic on both of them uh, than I am uh, than, than maybe the rest of the industry. So here, let me pull up the live leaderboard from last week really quickly. So first, let's start with Bubba. Uh, and let's just sort this by strokes gained T to green. Bubba Watson was sixth in strokes gained T to green last week. Uh, brutal around the greens and on the greens, but that's okay. Uh, strokes gained approach, Bubba was third all week long. Now, for Matthew Wolf, on the other hand, uh, he had a really poor Thursday, but if you only sort by Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he gets a lot better. In fact, we're still on strokes gained approach here. Sixth in strokes gained approach from Friday to thir uh, what would that be, Sunday, and then on stroke in strokes gain T to green one two three four five six seventh from Friday to Sunday. So to me, I like these guys as like, hey, you know they're playing well, or, or at least like you know playing well enough. Those are good statistical guys. I, I understand the idea of like it's hard to pay for, you know Matthew Wolf or Bubba Watson being the price that they are, 
but you're you're gonna have to kind of swallow that because everybody is in that situation, right? Like the guy, like Lucas Glover, ninety four hundred dollars. Like I don't want to pay ninety four hundred dollars for Lucas Glover, but you're someone has to be ninety four hundred dollars. It's gonna it's gonna have to be Lucas Glover. Like Russell Henley's ninety two. This is insane. But you have to get over that and still try to create some of the best lineups that you can no matter who is what price, just because everyone's getting like a $2,000 increase this this week. Um, Doc Redman is back. Eric, uh, so we talked about Eric, Eric Fun Royan. Um, Harris English, another good week last week, 13th at the Memorial. Um, so now he's gone 13th at the Memorial, 17th at the RBC. He gains strokes in all categories. I'm fine with Harris English at 9,000. Uh, let's talk about Doc Redman really quickly, and I'll pull up his strokes gained database by rounds because I've been clamoring about what a great ball striker he is, and um, still the case, right? His 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 ball striking at the Memorial still great. He gained strokes in uh, both off the tee and approach both days at Mirfield Village, putted like. Uh, a, a lunatic, quite frankly, a <laughs> uh, friend of the show. I think I can say that. And he, I'm sure he would agree lost basically three strokes in each round. Uh, and then he lost another 2.2 around the greens. I, without looking, I would say, uh, Mirfield village last week was probably the most difficult course. Doc Redman has played in his young career. We've seen him find success at like rocket mortgage type events, the 3M Open is going to more strongly relate to uh, the 3M Open, or I'm sorry, yeah, to the 3M Open and the Rocket Mortgage Classic than what we saw at Muirfield Village last week. So I, I'm kind of willing to give him a little bit of a pass on that one. Brendan Todd. Uh, well, let's talk about Henrik, Henrik Norlander. I, I guess he's going to be popular. I mean, he was like, he's been the, he's been a sweetheart since the restart. But he's been like $6,800 every week. Now he's 8600 bucks, but he's coming off of a sixth-place finish at the Memorial. I don't know. Um, might be too much. Might be too much. I might rather go to Brendan Todd at 83, who Brendan Todd shot one of the rounds of the of the week or of the day last week. I think it was on Saturday. His – let me find this out before I spout this off. Yeah, his Saturday 68 was tied with John Rahm as the round of the day. They were the only guys in the 60s on Saturday. Hits a lot of fairways. Uh, we know he can win. Now, he's won twice this year. They've been weaker field events, but this is one of the weaker field events uh, that you could get. So, so Brendan Todd certainly in play. Okay, Patrick Rogers is kind of interesting. So, Patrick Rogers finished 18th at the Memorial. He finished 14th at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Now, he's missed... Three cuts in between there. Uh, he had a 45th at the Rocket Mortgage. But think about this. Charles Schwab and Memorial, those were probably, I think they were, the two strongest fields this season. And they are, like, historically strong fields. So he has two top 20s in historically strong fields. And now he gets to play uh in pro in in the weakest field since the restart i'm I'm kind of interested in in patrick reed or i'm sorry whoa patrick rogers sorry further down um it, obviously i mean it, it usually gets ugly down in like the seven thousands but especially in a week like this it's it's really ugly in the seven thousands siwoo kim two top 20s in his last four starts he's made four straight cuts i think i'd be fine with that um 
Will Gordon is here. So we saw Will Gordon finish third at the Travelers. He got that temporary membership. Now he uh, then he missed the cut at the Rocket Mortgage, and he hasn't played since. He's back in the field. But I think I'm I'm a little partial to to Dylan Fratelli here. So this recent run of events, um, it actually looks worse than it is. So he finished 18th at API. He missed the cut at the Charles Schwab. Then he finished eighth at the RBC Heritage. And then I believe it was the Travelers. So like it it looks like he missed the cut or it looks like he withdrew. I'm pretty sure that was the withdrawal for COVID was the Travelers. It was, yeah, it had to be that week. Um, so it looks like a missed cut, but it wasn't really. I think he shot a 71. I don't know if he was going to make the cut after the first round, but like it's not as bad as it looks. He did miss the cut at Workday, but then he finished 22nd at the Memorial. Um, I, I kind of like this. I mean, 7600 bucks for a guy who was able to get through that carnage uh, all week long last week to finish T22 is pretty crazy. Also, there were three different South Africans who tied for T22 or for, for 22nd last week, uh, which is pretty remarkable because there was only like four in the field. <laughs> uh, pretty cool. Who else? Uh there was someone else down here. Not Alex Noren. Oh, okay. Here we go. Bern Wiesberger. Bern Wiesberger is 80 to 1 to win this golf tournament. He's the 29th ranked player in the world. Um, and there's not a lot of history to go on here, but let me try to describe what's going on with, with Bern. Uh, he was, I believe, third in the race to Dubai on the European Tour last year which is essentially their FedEx Cup playoffs, right? Uh, John Rahm ended up winning it, and then I think Tommy Fleetwood finished second, and then it was Bern Wiesberger. He's, he's one of the better players on the European Tour, does not play often on the PGA Tour outside of WGC events. Now, he did play the Memorial, and he, I want to say he missed the cut. He did miss the cut. But it, it's one of these situations where... This will be by far the weakest field that Bernd Wiesberger has ever played on the PGA Tour. I think that is fair to say because it's only ever been like the Memorial and WGC events. So the fact that he is now and he wins, first of all, he won three times in 2019. Uh, you don't there are not guys in the $7,200 range who have won three times in the last year anywhere in the world. So really interesting situation with Bernd. Um, Gonna gonna probably be getting him in in quite a few lineups. Chase Seifert haven't seen him since uh, work day. He finished fourth. I could understand going back to him at seven thousand dollars. Who else do we have here? Uh, pretty ugly down here in the sixes. Might force a few more balanced builds than we would like because uh, the usual names in the sixes are very poor and uh, no exception. This week, I'm even trying to just find guys who have one good skill set. I mean, Cam Percy hits his irons well, but hasn't made a cut since Honda. Um, yeah, it's pretty ugly down here. It's pretty ugly. Let me let me run a custom model real quick here, and we'll see if it spits out anything that can be useful. All right, so for my custom model this week, I've got my 100 weights that I can use. I think we have to put a, a significant portion on birdie or better percentage, right? We know it's going to be a birdie fest. Some weeks will really um, like, like there is like Danny Willett's the perfect example of like, if, if this winning score is 25 under, I don't know if Danny Willett can get there. 
I would prefer Danny Willett last week at the Memorial when it's, you know, nine under par is the winning score. That's a better situation for him. Uh, so there are guys that just make a ton of birdies. So I'm going to put 30 on birdie or better. I'm going to put 30 on strokes gain T to green because that's my favorite stat. So this leaves me with 40 remaining. I'm going to put... Um, I'm going to put 20 on driving distance, and I'm going to put 10 on accuracy. The reason I'm going to put 10 on accuracy is because, um, you know, the, the the key model told us accuracy was a pretty important one. But again, I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the key stat model. So I, I'm going to I'm going to listen to it, but not listen to it too much. So I've got 10 left here. And I can decide what I want to do. Now, I could put it on strokes gained approach, but I could be, I'll be double counting a little bit. Uh, I could put it on par four scoring average because there's, you know, in theory, one additional par four because this is a par 71. Um, I think maybe that's where I'll go. I think maybe I'll go my last 10 on par four scoring. And then we'll run this model and see what happens. Oh boy, we're in trouble. So Tony Finau is my number one golfer. Uh, barely edging out Paul Casey, mind you, by a tenth of a point. So actually, this kind of solidifies that Paul Casey might be a guy that I invest in this week because I I kind of like the way that he really screwed everybody over last week and he did it in a fashion that is probably not replicatable this week. And now he shows up in the model that I just built as essentially a 1A to Tony Finau. Dustin Johnson is second. Um, wow, look at the list of names that come after Finau, Casey, and Johnson. Lucas Glover is fourth. No surprise, he's been great in the restart. Doc Redman, wow, my guy, Doc Redman, uh, 8,700. Johnny Vegas, 79, interesting. Eric Eric Fun Ruin, I'll get that right one of these days. Harris English, Will Gordon, Chess, and Hadley. So these, these are some names. So there's a couple names I like on here, right? I like Casey. I already liked Redmond. I liked EVR. I liked Bubba. So the, the model kind of uh, solidifies those. Then there's some names that give me give me some thought and give me some opportunity to expand on. Lucas Glover, uh, Johnny Vegas, Harris English. I was kind of lukewarm on. Maybe maybe I should like him more. I, I mean, it, it gives me an opportunity. That's why I like running these models. It's it's literally a blind model, right? Um, so so this is very interesting. So you can see the guys that I'll probably start building around, uh, the ones that both fit my 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 gut and then also are backed up by the model as well. All right, I think that'll do it. Uh, 3M Open, it's going to be a very interesting situation with the, a weaker field and so many question marks. I could see a 100-1 to 1 guy winning this golf tournament. Uh, pretty interested to see how it all shakes out. Best of luck this week. Let's keep the momentum rolling. You can always tweet me, at Rick Run Good. I'll answer as many questions, comments, and sweats or whatever as I can. Best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys later.